0: This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. In November 2012, a California ballot measure increased the state's income tax rates by one to three percentage points for upper income households, increasing the top marginal rate from 9.3% to 13.3 percent. This change offered economists and policy analysts the opportunity to study the effects in taxpayer behavior in response to those changes. Such analysis can offer policymakers in other states and other jurisdictions a window into the likely response to future changes in their own tax policy at home. Joining me today to discuss his research paper entitled Behavioral Responses to State Income Taxation of High Earners evidence from California is Professor Joshua Rao of the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Professor Rao's research paper released last May measured the taxpayer response of the 2012 tax rate increase and the effect of that response on California's net tax revenue. Professor Rao examined both the changes in behavior of those taxpayers affected and the attending changes in net revenue received by California. Our discussion will explore his findings and consider the likely effects of similar tax changes of high earners in other high tax states, including here in Massachusetts. When we return, I'll be joined by Stanford professor, Joshua Rao. Okay, welcome back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Silvaji. And I'm now joined by Stanford professor, Joshua Rao. Welcome to the show, Professor Rao. Thanks very much, Joe. Great to be here. All right, let's, uh, let's start. Uh, let's set the stage. Uh, before we go deep into the world of taxes, I want to make the show entertaining for our uh, listeners. And let's talk at the high level about your, your paper. Uh, I think it uh, says a lot in the title, Behavioral Responses to the State Income Taxation of High Earners, Evidence from California, uh, before we dig into the findings of the paper, let's let's define some terms for our listeners. Specifically, I want to zero in on a term you use frequently, the term of elasticity, in particular, the elasticity of income with respect to tax rates. What does elasticity measure?
1: Well, that's a great question, and a great starting point for our, for our discussion. So when a state is interested in raising additional revenue, one of the ways that they're going to think about doing that is by increasing some type of tax, and they're going to increase that tax on a certain group of individuals. So in California, for example, when additional revenue was sought in the uh, 2012 cycle, they looked to increasing income taxes on high earners. So California went from a situation where they had a flat tax relatively flat there was a uh, some initial income on which it wasn't taxed but relatively flat tax of 9.3 percent uh they through a, a ballot referendum they went to a situation where they added on higher additional higher brackets so there was a 10.3 11.3 and 12.3 percent bracket added on top of that and then because there was also a millionaire's tax that exists in California before then the top rate actually went up to 13.3 percent. So you asked about elasticity. What does elasticity mean? Well, when the state made its projections of how much additional revenue they would bring in from that tax increase, they essentially assumed that taxpayers would not change their behavior in any way. And the word elasticity is really just an economics word to reflect behavioral responses. How do people who are who are taxed, or who who are subject to additional taxes beyond what they what they previously had? How do they change their behavior in response to the tax? So, um, in a case where elasticity is low, they don't change their behavior much. If elasticity is high, they change their behavior a lot. The state pretty much assumed that elasticity would be zero, that there would be no changes in the behavior of the individuals that they were putting these taxes on, but uh, standard economic thinking suggests that there would be some elasticity. And why? Well, because people can, first of all, they can, you know, call up the moving vans and, you know, uh, the real estate agents and sell their homes and move to other states. So that's the first thing they can do. And the second thing they can do is that if they have businesses that operate in many different states, um, they can sort of shift their business income around in various different uh, complex ways. and in addition, they might just actually
0: decide to earn less income. I mean, you
1: know, not work as hard if you're getting taxed at a much higher rate.
0: So, so you've anticipated some of my my questions, but I just to make sure we're all keeping up. Uh, no, an uh, elasticity of zero is what uh, perhaps tax raisers um, pre- project. We tax them, and they do exactly as they were doing before the tax. And a uh, uh, traditional economists, assuming people respond to incentives, say, uh, if I get taxed more here i 'll either make less and therefore pay less taxes or make money elsewhere and pay the other states a lower tax rate we, uh,
1: that's, that's right exactly right. and you know when 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 the California Department of, of Finance made its projections around how much additional tax revenues would be brought in they essentially assumed that people's behavior would be would be unchanged by this by this tax mm-hmm. and and uh that you know it comes to the reason that we that we did our study um one of, the, one of the challenging aspects of trying to understand the economic impact of taxation is that you don't actually observe what exactly would have happened in the absence of the tax. You only observe what actually happened. And the, the time period over which this tax uh, increase was, was, was put in place, and really the, the, the subsequent uh, five, five, six, seven years following that, were a time of um, really a great economic boom in the United States broadly, um, and also a boom in technology, in uh, in both the development of new technologies and in the demand for the implementation of, of, of those technologies. And those macroeconomic forces really kind of lifted all boats. So uh, even when you look, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, you look at the state's Projections—they were projecting increases in tax revenues of six billion dollars per year uh, between 2012, when this went in, and and and, and 2017. Um, those were their those were their projections. Uh, because we had an econ major economic boom during this time period, um, California's tax revenues in total—you um, know—they they they grew. They didn't they didn't shrink as a result of this. They grew, but. What our study shows is that they grew a lot less than they otherwise would have had California not put this tax increase in
0: place. So I want to unpack some of those concepts because there's a lot going on there, a lot of moving parts, but brings this to, as a researcher, um, it's always a challenge in a sense to prove that there's a causation, right? You don't know that you can't prove the negative had the tax not been implemented. How do you control for all the variables? Now, we're talking about... You know, 40 million Californians, and a segment that's uh, going to be targeted with this tax. How do you know what they would have done had the tax not occurred?
1: That's a great question. So, so, so in our in our paper, we're looking at at sort of two margins of behavior, two two types of behavioral response. One is the people leaving, and so um, because we we are able to obtain micro data from the the tax California tax authorities, um, we're able to establish that. Before the time where this, when this when this tax increase was put into place, um, there was a, a baseline of high-earning people leaving California, so a baseline rate of about 1% per year, just this sort of standard churn that was going on. Although some of that might also have been because of the fact that uh, California has also become generally, becoming generally a much... Uh, less friendly place for business in in you know in, in in other ways. It's not only about tax, it's also about regulation. But that was the baseline that we were observing, about 1% of people leaving per year. And then what we observed was that the year after this tax increase went went into, into effect, an additional 0.8% of the high-earning California residential tax filing base uh, that would have been in this new in these new top brackets left. So we saw a big spike. In the departure rate of nearly high double. earning individuals. Nearly double. That nearly way. double, right. So nearly double, big spike in the departure rate of hiring individuals. So, so that's one of the ways that we sort of control for other things going on, is we establish the baseline beforehand. And then, and then this was the major kind of policy event that happened that year. And then the, the the departure rate nearly nearly doubled. Now the the other thing that we do is we look at uh how the Reporting the reported taxable income of people who stayed high earners who stayed in California, how did that change? And what we what we see there is that it did not increase by nearly as much as high earning high earning individuals who lived in other states uh, increased their taxable income. And so, in particular, what we did was for every all of the high earning households in uh, in California for which we had this data, we, we matched them to other high earning households in, in other states um, to get a, a sort of control sample of other households that were in other states that were similar to the households that we were observing in California, but that because they didn't live in California, they were not subject to this uh, additional tax. And we found a, this big divergence between the evolution of the income of the high earners in the other states and the evolution of high earners in California.
0: So again, before we get too far down this road, I want to define the, the term high earner, right? Both rhetorically, I suppose, when we're thinking about raising taxes and we think about millionaires and 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 people doing very well, uh, and we think, okay, they can afford to pay tax. Uh, what are we talking about as high earners in in California terms?
1: Well, the the uh, the flat tax rate of nine point three percent that prevailed before this uh but before this tax change um the, the, the way that that was changed was that uh even even though this this tax has been sort of described as being uh you know a tax only on extremely high earning individuals um the 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 higher income tax brackets that the tax the new tax law put in place begin at $250,000 per year for a single individual so uh, and $500,000 per year for a married couple so um so those are, you know, those. We're not going to say that people that those are not high, you know, high incomes for, for most people. They're 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 reasonably high incomes. Of course, the cost of living in California in many places is also extremely high as well. So there's there needs to be a little bit of context put around that. Um, but uh, it's not only a millionaires' tax. It's not only on people who are earning more than more than a million dollars. It's really going in at 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 lower income levels. I think what's also telling is that um, well, once you start going down the road of moving away from a flat tax towards putting in these brackets. I mean, the door is now open for the brackets to be changed whenever politicians want to. And furthermore, as you have inflation over time, gradual inflation over time, there's something called bracket creep, mm-hmm. which means that you know $250,000 per year for a single person uh, you know, may sound like a lot in a given year, but if that thing isn't changed over, that number isn't changed over time, then more and more people end up being caught in those higher tax
0: brackets. Uh, the good news is eventually we'll all be millionaires, but it might not just uh, it might buy a cup of coffee in the future. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. OK. All right. Good. So let's go back to your other um, uh, message talking about their The first response was for perhaps twice as many people or nearly twice as many people moving away. But the others that stayed that didn't move away, they changed their behavior. Were you able to tease out how does one choose to essentially make less money? Do they take more vacations? Do they take less risk in their investment portfolios? Do they. um I don't know. Uh, not take the pr- promotion. Uh, it, did you make any um, assessment as to how they, you know, sort of you had the d- depressed response in income increases?
1: Well, this is this is a great question, and it's uh, something that we haven't been fully able to answer yet. But one thing that I I will say that we are able to to detect is that it's not only a matter of um, people changing their behavior in their investments. In, in fact, most of this effect is not driven by what I would describe as investment income, cap capital gains, and 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 uh, dividend and interest income—it's it's it's really actually not not that at all. This is real economic activity, and that I think that's that's where our study was able to get with this. This is real economic activity that that, that shows up um, in in a couple places. It shows up in overall taxable income, and it also shows up in uh, not only in, in California taxable income but also in the total taxable income that somebody earns in the U.S. broadly. Um, so the, the, the reason this is a bit of a tricky setting is that you know the, uh, we're working with state income tax returns. And on the state income tax return, we're able to observe uh, an individuals uh, the, the taxable income they report to the state. We're also able to report the total taxable income that they report to the federal IRS. And I think what's really fascinating about what we find is that while some of some of the effect, you know, chunk of the effect is really just about um, uh, uh, you know de- decreases in uh, how much of of the income people are earning in the state of California, or sourced in the state of California. Uh, a big piece of it is also just an overall decline in total economic activity. So that in fact, um, because California is such a big state, uh, the federal government also was affected. Their tax revenues were also affected by this tax increase because. Uh, people were doing less business activity, and whether it's whether it's literally working less or whether it's say shifting your business offshore entirely to another country, uh, those are questions that we're still working on in in ongoing research.
0: So, uh, given that some some of the tax escape escaped the uh, the coffers of California, uh, some of it you would say left to other uh, other states. Um, did you measure where these uh, people who did leave at a greater rate, where they went? And can you infer from where they went that they were motivated by taxes?
1: Well, unsurprisingly, the (laughs) locations where people uh, from California are moving to, the the high earners, uh, are low tax or zero income tax states. The big winners from the California exodus have been and continue to be Nevada, Texas, and Florida. And those are the places, those are, those are zero income tax states. And those are the places where you know, California residents, the spike in California resident departures among high earners are pretty heavily, uh, heavily concentrated. So it really is the case that um, the that low or zero income tax states are benefiting from uh, California's lost economic activity.
0: We have a uh, zero income tax uh, state north of us, New Hampshire, uh, that uh, I don't know if I actually I do know they do market or actively um, uh, market to our businesses and say, come on up here. uh, The taxes are great. Uh, Did you see the similar uh, kind of um, allure or a marketing uh, targeted at uh, high earners in California, Uh, Texas or Nevada, Florida? Are they are they actually actively recruiting or um, soliciting uh, high earners from California?
1: Well, I not that I not that I know of, although there there may have been. Uh, I'm, I, I do seem to recall uh, someone from Texas making a, a politician from Texas making an inviting statement. Uh, what has been happening in California is that you know we've, we've had some pretty high profile departures. Most most recently, Elon Musk. Sure. And the more of these high profile departures are covered in the news, and the more people find out about them, uh, the more people start asking themselves. Gee, may, you know, maybe I should do this as well. Uh, and I think it's it's those uh, uh, types of high-profile um, departures that draw attention to this growing uh, tax gap between California and other states. You know, one other thing I wanted to mention was um, that you know we we uh, b- because the data that we get come from the tax authorities with with with, with quite some some lag. Uh, we're still working on uh, looking at kind of what 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 happened in the, the last few years. And what, one of the big changes um, in addition that came on top of these uh, these these uh, higher income tax rates in California in the past few years is that the the federal government's treatment of state income taxes has changed. It, it, it changed sure. in, in 2018 as a result of the tax cut and Jobs Act of, of 2017. And, and the, the big change is that your state income taxes are no longer deductible on your federal income tax return. So what 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 does that mean in you know kind of practically speaking?
0: Um we're talking about the the cap on salt the state Yes, and local the
1: salt, state. right. Salt, uh, you know, uh, is the state and local tax deduction and and the tax cut and job act of 2017 put a big a big uh, put a very low cap on on state and local state and local Taxes, the extent to which they could be deducted on the federal return. that that cap was ten thousand dollars, which for a lot of these high earners, I mean, given that these states are, you know, a state like California, they're, they're you know taxing it, taxing you 13%. And then you got property taxes and all kinds of other things. They're they're they they're blow they blow past that cap. So um, but what what that did is that that drove an even bigger wedge between your after tax kind of take-home pay if you live in, say, California versus if you live in Nevada, Texas, or, or Florida. And because the federal government lowered overall federal tax rates at the same time as they capped that SALT deduction, a lot of the high earners didn't sort of feel that, that immediately, um, but if tax rates at the federal level should go up again, uh, and if that SALT cap uh, in, is uh, is is retained, um, or at the time that they go up again, then that is gonna make high earning individuals in high tax states. Um, it's gonna create an even bigger wedge between what they could what they could get uh, by moving out of their state and what they could get by staying in the in the state. So, um I would say to uh, you know uh, New Hampshire, you know, get ready. There could be a lot more people, <laughs> a lot more people coming.
0: So let's put a little finer point on it. At the top of the show, you, you described the goal of a someone or a, a legislator who wants to increase revenue is to raise taxes. And they estimate the revenue from that raise to be the tax rate times the number of people who make that money. Uh, but the response in response to that tax is that uh, people move away and, and the taxes are lower. How much lower when we're talking about um, revenue? Were you able to measure how much less revenue uh, California took in than they expected to take in,
1: yes. So that's uh, one of the advantages of 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 our study is that we we by we can't actually we can actually do that by having these uh, counterfactuals of hiring taxpayers in other states and also the baseline of taxpayer departure before uh, the, the law passed. so so what we found was that uh, within one year after the reform, the behavioral responses of people moving out combined with uh, those staying, Reporting less taxable income had eroded 45% of what would have been the what I call the windfall tax revenues from the reform. That's what the state was just expecting. So, expecting. so I,
0: I just want to make sure that, that that seems like an extraordinary number. Let's assume we uh, the new tax we expect to generate a million dollars. 45% uh, percent of that isn't realized, so we really only brought in uh, 55, 550,000. When 550, we expected 000. a million.
1: And then within two years, we were only bringing in uh four, 400,000 of the million so 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 there was 60% erosion within within 2 years mm-hmm. um and uh, and so this i mean this is definitely uh uh, uh eye opening It was very eye opening to us and it was it was masked by the fact that you know the, the whole country was sort of experiencing an economic boom at the time so everything sort of seemed to look like it was okay but 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 lurking below the surface is the fact that um, relative to what uh, what what they they should have brought in in these in these windfall gains, had there been no behavioral responses, and what they would have expected to have brought in, they only they only brought in forty cents on the dollar uh, per year. Ultimately, um, I can't even say ultimately because we were only because of the the the, the data we were only able to get uh, a complete picture for a couple of years after that that tax reforms. So through to through to to, to twenty fifteen, um, we've now been able to get some additional data for a couple more years. And are analyzing and are working on um, seeing if we can uh, if we can if we can determine how this evolves further into the future.
0: Well, I want to push that envelope. So you've just said you can't go there, but I'm going to ask you to try to go there. Yeah. In two years, it went from a million dollars expected to actually four hundred thousand dollars, and if we follow that trend. Uh, it, you know, if we connect the dots, ultimately the uh, marg- additional marginal revenue from a tax increase, you could say. Could go to zero, or if let's say enough people leave and take their business with them, it could go into negative, meaning we've raised taxes and reduced revenue. Is is that what you're you might find in your in your in your research?
1: Well, you, you have very nicely sketched out the concept of the Laffer curve, the well-known Laffer curve um, in in economics, and it's interesting. You know, Art our, our Laffer um, wrote this curve on a on a napkin, um, and uh, he was an advisor to President Reagan, and the concept of the Laffer curve. Uh, is extremely pervasive uh, in uh, even in, in research circles in in, in public economics. Although uh, his his name is uh, not mentioned enough to be given credit for uh, for this for this concept, the idea is that if you if you raise tax rates enough, not only will you not bring in all the revenue you were hoping to from the tax increase, but you might even end up reducing the amount of tax revenue that that you that you bring in. And I you know so what 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 can I say about what we uh what we would expect to find? I I do you know I do expect the um uh that that decrease to to uh you know taper off a little bit in the years following. I mean we went from the first year there was 45% erosion. The second year there was 60% erosion. So okay, you know maybe in the third year there's going to be 70% erosion. But remember that coming up uh, in, in 2018, we had that big change in the SALT cap, uh, that limitation on the state and local tax deductions. And I I believe that what that likely did is that that tax change combined with the highly progressive income tax rates in California has probably put California over the top of the Laffer curve as of now, 2021. So if you ask me now in January, 2021, do I think that the state can bring in more, revenue by further raising income taxes on high earners i would say no you're you're going to bring in less revenue at this point by further raising income taxes on high earners we are more than maxed out at this point
0: so if you're an angry populist who doesn't like millionaires uh, or high earners and you say okay we we net zero we raised taxes and didn't get an additional penny i'm okay with that we don't need all these millionaires living here anyway uh, let's uh, let's take that as our uh, our uh, given um what else do they take with them when they take their tax revenue? In other words, did you see a, a increase or were you able to measure an increase in uh, unemployment rates? In other words, if they took their factory with them, uh, a lot of people without a job, or if they sold their home, perhaps it would have a depressing effect on uh, asset values, uh, 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 real estate, such as uh, it might be?
1: well, in 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 this particular paper, we 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 didn't do that, but I, I do have other work that looks not only at california but it looks uh around the country at state income tax rates that are levied on different types of businesses and you know one type of business is this is the sort of large company corporation it's called a c corporation that's the that's the kind of uh, larger company and they pay uh, corporate tax rates and then shareholders are taxed again uh, if they receive dividends or, or capital gains um, the other type of business that's that now makes up uh, a, a large share of total businesses in the U.S. are the non-corporate entities. So these are anything from a you know, sole proprietorship, uh, partnership, uh, S-corporation, an LLC. So there are a lot of other business types where the business owners... Uh, are basically paying individual the individual income tax rate on their on the profits of their business every year you know if, if you started a business that's how you'd start off and that's how you would be and until you got very big you would also be one of these businesses that's basically paying uh you know in, paying income tax at the at the personal tax rate and and we found across all states uh looking at um, actually the census of u.s business, uh, locations where 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 all businesses are locating all of their economic activity very detailed uh, also very detailed data uh, we found that these uh, pass through entities uh, these S corps LLCs sole proprietorships partnerships also had a really big uh, response in terms of where they located their economic activity and so um, while uh, are the 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 behavioral responses California uh, high earners paper uh, doesn't uh, study that in. Particular, my other work does, and I think if you put these things together, um, you're going to recognize that this tax increase drove a lot of economic activity out of California, and and I I also I want to pick up on something you were saying that was that was very important, which is that uh, in the in this debate about taxes, um, uh, the the terms often get defined. In a way where the, uh, the the tax authorities or people who are arguing for these higher tax rates are saying, uh, well, you know, if we brought in even one cent more of income than uh, have, of uh, taxes, then it's great. You know, even, even for one cent more, it'd be worth it because we don't care about anything else. But but that's a very very narrow way of 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 looking at at overall economic prosperity. I mean, in order to bring in that additional, you know, one cent of of of, of taxes, you might have driven out uh, you know, driven tons of business out of the state. And, and that's going to, that's going to have impacts on people, uh, in, in, in other ways, it's going to impact their, their employment prospects and it's going impla- to impact overall prosperity in the, in, in the state. And so I, I think it's important to look at that big picture.
0: Sure. In, in order for you to tax income, income has to be made, value has to be created. Uh, if it's not, uh, we all are, are poor for it. Um, let's take, let's p- put our lens, um, uh, pull it back a little bit and say your analysis of uh, behavioral response to tax increases is not the first paper and not the first analysis in this field. Uh, as you say, many uh, legislators hope the response or the elasticity will be zero. Your your um, your paper determined it was not zero, it was higher and measurable uh, and tangible. Um, but put in the context of some of the more, um, no offense, more famous uh, economists in this area like uh, Thomas Piketty and Saez um, they did similar studies, I think they're primarily European studies, but they saw uh, tax increases having almost no meaningful effect on the behavior of those who are taxed. How do you account for such different views of, of uh, behavioral responses to taxes? Is it, is it cultural? Is it uh, 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 how we measure? What, what do you, how do you account for, let's say, such large disagreements in likely responses to increases in taxes?
1: Well, I think it's quite simple, which is that they're not estimating these changes on a uh, uh, by looking at high-earning individuals. They're looking at the behavioral responses of their, their essentially their, their statistics that they're providing are telling us about behavioral responses of middle-income people to relatively small changes in tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we're looking at in our paper is the behavioral responses of high-earning individuals to pretty large changes in the taxation of high-earning individuals, um, you know, uh, large in the context of uh, the history of California taxation, but perhaps not large in in the context of the types of tax increases that states are actually considering today. So uh, I, I just don't think the statistics that um, that they're calculating in those other studies are are particularly relevant. And it's also important to note that you know, in California, I mean, the top one percent of taxpayers are paying about half of the taxes so what we really care about if we want to know about how the both the government's uh, revenue generating capacity and also about 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 uh, business dynamism is how the the high earners are going to respond to increases in taxes on them that's after all what what a lot of states including i understand massachusetts might be considering and that's what that's the mistake that california has made and I. I hope the other states won't make the same mistake.
0: So when we talk about elasticity we're really talking about different elasticities based on income levels meaning you're suggesting high income earners are have a more elastic response are more apt to move more apt to change their behavior in response to taxes than average income or low income people. Do I have that right?
1: Correct. They are more they are more apt to and they are more and they're more able to do so through the use of hiring tax professionals and attorneys and and uh, and and so on, um, which uh, you know, in a sense, one could think of all of that tax avoidance as sort of dead weight loss for the economy. I mean, I know that you know, tax attorneys also uh, you know g- g- eat and 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 uh, go out you know uh, uh, well maybe before COVID they used to go out <laughs> to eat now they order nice food in and they also you know they're spending money in the economy as well. Um, but all that uh, all that tax tax avoidance is 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 a, is a is a function of the high tax rates. And you know the, these other studies, if you use the if you use the taxable income, if you use these elasticities that they measure, you get these numbers that are that, that say that you know the optimal income tax rate should be, and you know, according to those studies, should be eighty three percent. I mean, I, I just you know wh- where's where's the common sense here? I mean, I, I do we honestly believe? That raising income tax rates to 83% is is going to be either a revenue-maximizing or a prosperity-maximizing approach uh, to public policy. I just it, 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 I find it hard to believe, um, but in any case, the elasticities that uh, that we measure uh, in our paper are uh, much much larger than than those other studies. And again, that's because we're looking at high earners who are the ones who are bearing the brunt of the the income taxes.
0: So um, we're getting close to the end of our show and I really really appreciate your time. Uh, You mentioned COVID in your last answer. Uh, So let's bring that into the equation. uh, One more dimension of perhaps that will influence elasticity. We've discovered you and I are talking across the the continent uh, live. um, And uh, you said you're teaching your courses at Stanford virtually. uh, And many of us are doing our work uh, remotely. Do you believe that uh, once we get past COVID and we could get back to work, that the fact that we can work remotely will have an even greater effect on, let's say, our propensity to leave a high-tax state and move to a lower-tax state and continue to do our work uh, virtually? Uh, Is this, in a sense, going to make a big problem even bigger uh, by creating, I'll introduce another term, a footloose? A uh, high wage uh, class that can work anywhere in the world it wants.
1: I think it will produce a, uh, a footloose class, and I think it won't only be high wage workers. I think it'll be a lot of a lot of different workers. Obviously, there's some some type of work that just has to be done in person. That will always be done in person. But I think you're right, and I'm gonna I'll take even what you said one step farther, which is that you know um, states have been over the last year. Asking, begging the federal government for for support, for financial support, um, saying that you know uh, the COVID has created massive financial problems for them. Um, it did create some short-term disruptions in 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 revenue generation for states. Although a lot of states are doing just fine. California, for example, their uh, revenues for for uh, the their twenty year that ended in uh, late twenty twenty uh, were higher than those for twenty nineteen. So while there was a you know uh, short-term big hit, um, overall many states are really actually doing just fine. What I was going to say is that the major challenge and the long-lasting legacy of COVID is in fact going to be exactly what you said, which is that it is going to make state the state income tax bases in a lot of states much more elastic than it ever was, because it creates income generating is created and will continue to create even more income generating possibilities remotely and across state borders and now I, I, I'm sure that the state tax authorities are not going to just sit back and take that they're going to look for ways of trying to um, uh, trying to continue to keep their their reach into people who uh, who leave. I know the state of California is uh, there was a proposal uh, on for a wealth tax where it would have to be uh, uh, paid you know for years even after you leave. So these are, the, these are the types of, uh, of attempts that, that state tax authorities are gonna make, whether that turns out to be feasible or constitutional, whether these things are actually gonna be passed or not, who knows, but I expect they will be tried because states are gonna be very uh, very desperate uh, for revenue when the true impact of, of, of all of this is felt.
0: Well, that's a great place to end our show. Watch this space. We'll see how this all plays out in the future. I appreciate your uh, your time. Uh, your research was fantastic. And I think it, it helps inform uh, policymakers here in Massachusetts who've not quite gone down the road you have in California, uh, what, their, what their choices and the repercussions of those choices are apt to be. So thank you very much, Professor Rao. Thank you, Joe. Great to be here. This has been another episode of Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are several ways to support the show. It would be easier for you and better for us if you subscribe to Hubwonk. You can give us a five-star rating and a kind review. You can also share the show with friends. If you have ideas for future shows or comments for me, you can reach me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk.